So this is a super special episode, and I'm really excited to share this conversation with you that I just had with Angie. She is a missionary in Africa, still is there today, for the last 23 years helping teenage boys really just like have hope and very practical life skills, go through schooling and education. And she really goes into sharing her story of how she felt called by God to go. And I know a lot of people listening are wondering, what does that feel like? What does that mean? How do I know when when God's speaking to me? And I really just want you to lean in as she shares her story and the challenges and the things that she had to almost surrender to God to say yes. And the other reason why I invited her on the show is because she's somebody that's gone through the social media mentorship and a lot of mindset shifts and changes that she went through being missionary and then kind of learning that you can actually build another stream of income using the knowledge that you have and the God-given gifts that that you have. And so I want you to just lean into this episode. She is just so phenomenal. She has a beautiful heart. I know that God's going to speak to you about your life and your situation and what you're reaching to him for. So tune into this episode and I hope that you enjoy. Hello and welcome to the She Can Share podcast, where I am going to help you arise and shine as the woman of influence that God is calling you to be, where you are going to learn how to share your God-given gifts, talents, and abilities with the world through content creation and by just being who you are. You are meant to let go of shame, guilt, condemnation, and fear and arise and shine and be the light of the world. So whether you're here to grow your influence, grow your business, or just learn some content creation tips to express Christ in you, I want you to know that I'm here for it. So let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the She Can Share podcast. My name is Melissa Hughes, and I have a very, very special guest on with us today, Angie Wheeler Sibia is a dedicated missionary with Globe International with 23 years of service to Mozambique, Africa. Now, before I tell you any more about Angie, I want to just say really quickly, Angie and I met when I did a training for Globe International. I offered a social media course and she went through that program and then she came into the social media mentorship. And from that, I've gotten to really know her, what she does but also her heart. And I'm like so excited to have her on the show today because she not only has done my courses and listened to me week after week, but she's really become a friend and has so much to offer and so much to share. And she's going to share her story with you today and a little bit more about her journey. But I want to just share a a little bit more about who she is and what she does. So she's been a missionary for 23 years in service to Mozambique, Africa, She's also a registered nurse and uses her medical skills to help others. And also, this is really fun, her co-founder of her organization, which is Beacon of Hope, Chico, they ended up getting married. Yes, they started as friends, ended up getting married. How fun is that? That's like the dream. And really, they help young men and their organization. It's a home for teenage boys focusing on teaching life skills fostering a personal relationship with Jesus through discipleship and completing their education to empower the boys and building their future. And she's a devoted mother. She's nurtured two children since infancy and officially through adoption in 2017. 
She is truly a hero and a mother and a friend to so many. And so Angie, I'm super excited. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes. I I really want people to hear a little bit about how you got into doing what you're doing and kind of where you're at today. So would you mind just like telling us a little bit about your story? Sure. Um, it was back in, I was in, okay, I was a registered nurse and I love being a nurse. I graduated college, I think in 1993. Okay, that kind of dates me, but you know, <laughs> um, I love being a nurse and I thought that's what God had for me. And, but I got to a point where I wasn't, I gained the knowledge I wanted in the hospital. I ended up doing home health care, which I absolutely loved. But I, I got to a point where there's got to be more. You know, mm -hmm. I've studied all this time. I've done all this, but there's got to be something else, God. And at the time, there was a revival going on in Brownsville, Pensacola, in Brownsville Assembly of God in Pensacola, Florida. And um, I knew people who were a part of that. And so I would go and visit and God just began to stir some things in me. And by 1997, I moved to Florida. I remember the evangelist. Um, I had known him through friends and he called me one day and said, hey, would you like a job? What he didn't know is I had just been through a lot of uh, political stuff in the job and was like, I'd rather be a secretary behind a desk than have to, you know, deal with all this political stuff. <laughs> Funny enough, I went to work for him and was a secretary behind a desk. <laughs> and that's kind of funny because, you know, I was willing. I just didn't have a clue what God was going to do with that. But because I worked with him or under him, let's put it that way, because there was a lot of us that worked for him, with him. Um, I learned how to do thank you notes and prayer requests. And then I became part of building the finance department. And I learned about, you know, donations and all the things that require and you do. And everything I learned there for three years was preparation for what I do now. I mean, everything I started with the very big bottom to the, you know, to the time it was for me to go to the field and he had been a missionary. And so him and his wife in Argentina. And so I felt like God was calling me. Um, I had left the medical profession, you know, for a time. Um, and I, God was giving me this interest. Okay. So here's how I knew it was God. I would see things that were medical missions. And my heart would just skip a beat yes. all the time. And I, um, I love the Lord and I had a relationship with the Lord, but I can't promise you I had a deep personal relationship with the Lord. Um, I did all that I was supposed to do. I prayed. I mean, I, but I didn't have that heart connection, that one-on-one. -on -one. And that's what God was preparing me. He was showing me, he was taking the things out that, I struggled with and putting new things in, in that three years and teaching me all I need. And I just didn't understand that. God gave me the logo to our ministry, Beacon of Hope Africa. He gave me the picture. I had the logo. I had the tagline. I had the name. I would show my friends and I had no idea what God was asking me to do. I had absolutely no idea. I just, these things kept coming. And um, I went to a prayer meeting once with the pastor I know 
And he prayed over me. He said, Angie, you're going to be leaving Texas and you're going to the nations. I thought this man's nuts. He's totally crazy. You know, it was a big deal for me to go to Pensacola. So, you know, I thought that all that was just funny stuff, but it was all preparation for what I do now. It took me a year to say I'll go because it was hard. I didn't want to go single. I went to Argentina for two weeks thinking, okay, this is going to help me. And um, I came back saying, mom, I'm called to pray for missionaries. I am not called to become one. Mm -hmm. It is too hard. The language barrier, the difference in culture, it's just, it's hard. Well, I knew that wasn't true. God had already been stirring, you know, but it was that letting go of what you, you thought, okay, letting, it's not letting go of your dreams because God tells us if we delight in him, if we serve him, he's going to give us the desires of our hearts. So I knew that, but you're talking about leaving family and leaving friends and leaving comfort and leaving certainty and living on faith and doing something in another culture and another, I mean, by yourself. And I'm thinking, God, I don't want to go single, but that's what God was asking me to do. And I battled for a year. You know, my heart's desire was to get married and have children. And I remember I was at a friend's wedding and I remember I heard the Lord say to me, if you never got that, would you still go and serve me? I didn't make it to the reception. I went home and and sprawled out on my floor and I wailed and I cried and I prayed and I wailed and I cried and I prayed and I got up and said, I'll go. And the minute I said yes, I had complete peace. And I knew that I was supposed to do this. So I came to, I had come, I had come to Mozambique on a two week mission trip. With another friend, the the missionary that I went to visit in Argentina, she was in West Africa by this time. And I had for about a month. And then the last two weeks, we came to Mozambique. Now, I met some amazing people in West Africa, and I loved my experience. It was just that was not where God was calling me to. I just never felt 100% there, 100% comfortable, Um I, I learned a lot about me, you know, God and I, we had a deep, deep relationship there because it was, um, it was, I learned some things that I didn't know in the spiritual, mm-hmm. um, you know, some spiritual warfare and some battling. And I mean, I learned a lot, but the minute I stepped foot in Mozambique, I felt like I was home in Texas. Now, how is that possible? <laughs> you know, I mean, you just feel like, oh gosh, I've been here before, haven't I? And um, I hadn't, and I loved it. I used my medical experience. I did clinics. I took care of, I worked with another children's organization or a children's ministry here. And I did all those things that I love to do. But while there, because I committed to a year, I saw that there was not a whole lot for the teenagers. Um, you'd ask them, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Because, you know, that's what you do when you, kids. you know, you want to know about their future, their plans. And they're like, I don't even know if I'll finish school. I have no idea what I want to do. I, I'll probably have to sell things on the street because I'm only in the sixth grade and I'm 
you know, 19 and they had no hope or desire or thoughts of the future. And so I started a youth group there and we ended up with about 60 kids coming between the kids at the children's center and some of the kids in the community. And I based everything. I told them every week, Jeremiah 29, 11, Jesus has a plan for your life, not to harm you, but to help you. And I would repeat that and repeat that and repeat that and repeat that because I wanted them to have a hope for the future. And during my time there, God gave me this vision and he gave me, I saw a big piece of land. I saw garden and I saw houses and it was going to be Beacon of Hope Africa. And right after about the time my year was complete, um, the uh, missionary who it was her and her husband's ministry she said, I know of someone who is trying to sell their ministry and you can't really sell it. You know, I mean, you can't really buy it. I paid for all the building repairs and, you know, all that. And they're going through some struggles and they're going back to South Africa. And so I came out, saw the place, loved it and said, um, OK, I have. You know, I, I don't really have what you want. You're, you're wanting $75,000. I really, you know, I mean, thank you, God, for my $1,000 a month, you know. <laughs> and um, she said, write me a proposal and we'll we'll see what see what God does. So I wrote a proposal. I prayed over it and I said, God, what do I do? So I offered $30,000, $3,000 down. I had no money. And I said, and if you'll let me pay it out every month until I raise the funds, this is what I'm offering. And they took it. I went, oh, gosh. You know, oh, gosh. <laughs> and so I called my supporters and I just told them what was happening. I called Globe. And, um, and it was so funny because within no time, we had the money. And I paid every month. I had already been back to the States. So there was no furlough coming up. So I had to literally live by faith and trust God. That was in 2002. And we functioned for about a year. The boys came and celebrated 21 years, December 3rd. <laughs> and um, so we, you know, I, I just stepped out in that on faith and I just trusted God. And I remember going home and I got a phone call from one of our partners and he said, how much do you owe? And I said, about $12,000. And he said, you raise half of that and I'll match it. So within two years, not even two years of Beacon of Hope starting, we had the land. It is four acres of land. It had, um, it had a big, huge house. Um, we've added on there different places and it had a little bitty house in the back, which now is my home. We have built that up. So I live at the back of the property and the boys live at the front. Um, and they're here about usually just do, through the school year. They go home um, several times throughout the year for different holidays. And this is why home is home. I learned that you need to make sure that they don't forget where they come from and who they are. And just because I can offer them you know, a nice, comfortable place with, you know, nice meals doesn't mean that's life. Mm -hmm. Real life is still home and still family. And I do not want you to be dependent on me. I want you to learn 
and grow up and go back and you know get a job and take care of your family. So this is a transition. This is a stepping stone. This is not life. Yeah. And as much as I love you as mine, now that is something I never expected because we usually have these boys from three to five years. And I just never knew that I would love them like my own. I didn't realize that that was something God was going to do. And I truly love them all like they're my own. And I have one young man who is now, he's now a father. He was our front, one of our first boys. Um, and <coughs> sorry, <clears throat> he will see me several years ago. He's seen me in the mall here in Mozambique. And he's running across the mall yelling, mom, mom. Now, you got to picture this Mozambican young man running across and talking to this, you know, Texas woman. <laughs> and everybody stops. Everybody stops and is just watching this. And he runs up and he hugs me and he's so excited to see me. And we're just chatting away and everybody's just like. And that's the kind of example and love and, you know, that's just why I do what I do. Yeah. If I can say that in a, in a, no, it's, you give them the things they need. And my big thing is having a personal relationship with Jesus. I can't change their circumstances. Only God can. I can't give them a cushy life, but I can teach them how to love Jesus, how to pray, how to share with him and talk to him like he's their best friend. I love it when they learn. Because education, although it is, it's better than it used to be, it's still not. I mean, there is one teacher to 80 students. Wow. So education, they get lost sometimes, especially if they have difficulties. So when I can teach them something and they get it and the light bulb comes on, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. Because they're going to teach somebody else. Yeah. It's not just going to stop here. It's going to multiply. So if I can teach them how to, to work and, you know, nothing's free. So you got to do chores. You got to learn how to cook. We teach them how to sew. They have to cut grass and we cut grass with a machete. And you, you've got to do all these things because nothing in life's free. So get up. Let's work. Let's go. Let's learn. And then they graduate and we help them with a, um, a formal training, usually it's like a six months to a year. Um, so they have a something so they can get a job. And then they go out and, and either go home or they stay in the city and find a job and go. I do not promise them a job. I do not help them find a job because they are men. They are men of God who are going to change this nation for Jesus is how I really feel. Wow. <laughs> so it's. It's amazing sometimes how I look back and I go, oh, my gosh, you know, I was in Florida for three years to not just heal some of my, you know, my own problems or issues, but to train me up how to how to do the job. And he yeah. put people in my life and experiences to help me get to where I'm at. And um, I have to say, though, it's not been easy. I've had a lot of struggles. I've had young men who I have, um, who have betrayed and who have taken things that aren't theirs and caused, you know, problems. And 
harder part is broken relationship. You know, it, it, it will never be what it was, but God is an amazing God who helps you forgive. It's yeah. just, there's a lot of struggles that have went in, in, into, into these 21 years. But when you look at, we have had about 88 teenagers and no matter if they've graduated or not, seeds were still planted. Yeah. And most of the times you can ask them a question. People have, they've, they've done videos for us. And they're like, if I hadn't had Beacon of Hope, I don't know where I would be today. I don't know yeah. what kind of man I would be or what kind of father I would be. So you teach them, you give them the life skills, but then they have to build their own lives. Yeah. Angie, I just, oh my goodness. We've just like dug in. Can you guys see how fantastic she is? I think I've cried twice. I've cried twice so far. <laughs> um, I want to go back. I want to talk about your story and I want to talk about um, the struggle and everything you've had to walk through in the midst of changing lives and pursuing the dream, because I don't think that, that we always talk about that. But I want to first talk about that feeling that you had where you talked about feeling called. Because one of the things that we talk about on this show and in our life is saying yes to God, even when it's uncomfortable. And I love how you were weighing up the cost. Can you like speak to what you said a little bit? It's this feeling of like, I know I need to do this, but like, what is that like from a very practical, tangible place? What What is that to feel called? And to somebody that's like, I don't know if I've ever felt called. Like, can you speak to that a little bit? I'm going to try. <laughs> um, for me, the way it happened was more of feelings. Um, you know, things that if I didn't understand it, I would talk to God and say, okay, you got to give me something else because I didn't get that. Um, I have this relationship that I am so amazed by sometimes with God because he's just so patient with me. <laughs> if he were to tell me everything, I probably wouldn't have believed it. Um, but I remember it was tangible things like, um, it was time for me. I had this, found this nice apartment and it was, my contract was up and I needed to make a decision, you know, what do I do now? And I asked them, I asked them, okay, if God, if I'm supposed to do this, then they're going to let me pay month to month until I'm, you know, because I kept thinking, okay, I'm going to put this lease out there, but it's not possible. You know, so this is going to answer my question. And so I don't know if you would call that challenging, God. I wasn't trying to challenge you. But you were setting your own relationship. You were having a real honest conversation with the Lord about what you needed in order for him to fulfill his part, right? Well, yeah. yeah you're going to let me pay month to month, not put in another contract? Yes. Oh no, you know, now what do I do? They said yes. So I had to go back and talk to the Lord and and these little bitty things that kept happening. And I remember one thing that was way before this. Sorry, I kind of got out of sync here, but I remember that the place that I worked with the evangelists there at the revival, they were amazing and they were building like a a place for us to stay and, you know, a nice little duplex thing. And, and I remember I heard the Lord very clearly saying, you won't be here more than a year. 
And I kept thinking, why not? I love this place. I love working here. I love this. It's nice. But God kept giving me these like tidbits Mm. because again, I wasn't a person that could just go with it. I, I, I liked my plans and I liked my plans to work. And if my plan didn't work, they kind of, you know, I kind of would lose it. And so it wasn't a person that could just have it all and then sift through it. He just had to give me a little bit. So that was like the beginning here very long. And then I literally, I left like a year, almost to the date. And I didn't remember that until later, but then there were these little tidbits and then he started giving me the picture and then I would, my heart would jump. Okay, God, what is that? You know, I've, I've been on the missions trip and it was too hard. So we know that I'm not cut out for this. And then that my heart would jump again or somebody would say something to me and I'd go, oh, man. And I, I, I don't even, I just remember these words of, of affirmation from friends and, and people that knew me. And I remember at one point, um, the, the evangelist of the Browns revival was Steve Hill. And he prayed over me one time. He goes, you know, God's calling you, right? Wow. I feel like. (laughs) And understood before I really knew and understood. Mm -hmm. And, um, these, just these words. And so when I understood what God was doing then, then I could see all the little bitty things add up. That's when I really started praying. But it got hard when God said, if you never marry, will you go? If yeah, you get, you know, hard for me. Um, I have known my entire life that I wanted to be right. I got, I, I accepted the Lord at eight years old. I knew the direction. I had an experience with God at 12. I knew that I was on a different path than than others. I knew that I was going to walk for Jesus. I did not know I would become a missionary. Um, I just knew that I love the Lord. And this is where my, my, my focus was always him at 16. I had made the decision. I was going to wait until I was married. Um, and relationships were never like, I don't think it was because I had a high standard. I think it's because nobody just I think I must have portrayed that high standard. I don't really know, but I didn't date. I think I've been on, you know, two dates before I met my, well, that's a whole story within itself, my husband. But um, I just knew that this is what I wanted and I wasn't going to settle for anything less and I wasn't going to deviate. So I knew that at 16. And so I did everything and I served the Lord, but it wasn't until I went to Florida and God did like almost, I want to say he did an open heart transplant <laughs> because I, he took out all those struggles or all those things um, that I um, struggled with. And and let me tell you, one of those things was, you know, worried that people didn't being so concerned about what others thought or, I mean, it's what every one of us struggle with in some form or fashion in our life. But God wanted to help me get that out. Um, And so all of those things. And I remember, I do remember now I, I was really into that. Okay, God, you got to show me. And I fasted for like 40 days. I did a just liquid fast. Oh my gosh. God just took out more stuff 
and put more stuff in. And I had felt more confident and more sure that I was hearing him. I think part of my problem was I felt like I was just me. Yeah. And I don't know why I felt that way because I did not want to go. I thought it was going to be too hard, but I learned how to hear the voice of the Lord is what I'm trying to say is in all those things. I heard the voice of God in different situations. And yeah. the, the last one was getting on the floor and, and weeping. But God, I want to be married. This has been my heart's desire to be a mother and to be married my whole life. So I, this is hard for me. It's really difficult. And I was on the floor for about an hour or more. Just, mm-hmm. I didn't want to let go of that. I didn't want to go. And the statistics were, (laughs) you know, if you go single, you probably stay single. And, and I just said, okay, I don't want to believe that, you know, because if I, if I do all these things in service of you, you said, tell me you're going to give me the desires of my heart. So faith was another thing I had to learn about jumping into, you know, just, and I promise you this, the moment I said, yes, God, I will go. I had a peace that passed all understanding. It didn't make any sense to me, but I was happy. I was ready. I was peace, 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 peace is all I can say. Wow. So go ahead. I just want to say, I, what I love that you did that I don't think a lot of us do is you have these, you had this real honest conversation with God. You know, you weren't just like, I don't want to do that. And you dismissed it. You took what God was saying and you were like, okay, Lord, these are my challenges though. I feel like I'm going to miss out on this. I feel like I'm not going to have this. I really want this. And you know, like I, I just love that Angie, because when I think about how I am as a mom with my children, kids will say like, they'll say exactly what they want and you're able to talk to them. And I feel like when it comes for a lot of us in our, with our relationship with God, if we're not happy with something or something's not going the way that we think, we think he's like this dictator in heaven that we can't talk to him or have this conversation and we just deal with it or we're just disappointed or we're frustrated or we're resentful when it's like, talk to him, come to him, share these things with him, pray to him and like, let him, let him lead you. And I just love that when you were struggling with what he was telling you to do, you are really honest and you put the work in. <laughs> well, amen. Because that is all all true. He's I don't feel like he's a dictator. Yeah. Yeah. My dad, my dad, um, we he's passed away about five years ago. But um my dad loved me one hundred percent completely. And I wasn't perfect and nor was he, but he loved me. And if God if my dad can love me that way and God loves me more. Yeah. Then how could I ever imagine yeah. that he would not be okay with that? Yeah. So I'm grateful that my dad loved me the way he did because mm-hmm. then I knew how God really loved me. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I love that, you know, you told him, I love that God was challenging stuff inside of you, like what people, what other people thought. You're like, I don't want to go to the mission field single. Because what are people going to think? And and if I go, the statistics say this, right? And so feeling like you were going to have to give up a dream of yours to say yes to the Lord, but you really just surrendered that. And and like you said, 
learned a lesson of faith. Like, I hope anyone listening right now can just take a moment, whatever it is that you feel like God's telling you to do. And you're like, but that can't work out because of this. It's like, well, what's, what's faith, right? And tell us like, cause you actually ended up, you obviously now, I know we're skipping a whole chunk, but I do just want to bring attention to it. You are married now, aren't you? Married year and a half now. And I have two amazing children. Um, That's different stories within itself. Uh, Enya, I met her at the children's center. She was one. Um, I immediately knew that she would be my daughter someday. And I didn't know how that was possible. And I did not come to Mozambique to adopt. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, then I, I say she lived with me. Um, adoption is a big deal and a big process. It took many years. Um, but then Peter came along. Now, here's the funny part of all this. Peter is my husband's biological nephew. So Peter was four and a half months old when he came to live with me because I've been part of my husband's family since the beginning. His brother was one of our first teenagers. I know this is so like blow your mind crazy. So here's what I want to say to anybody who is waiting and you think that it's impossible. It's not impossible because I'm proof. I pretty much had my list. I pretty much prayed all the time for my husband. And there were moments where I stopped praying because it looked impossible. There were moments where I just went, oh, well, okay, you know. And um, my kids, the adoption was supposed to be finalized the year I turned 50. And that was the last time that after that you could not adopt. 50 was the age. And my husband my, he's worked with me. He was the first employee of Beacon of Hope. He's been here. He's founded this with me. He's everything. And he's an amazing man. Um, <clears throat> he worked really hard for me to adopt Peter, which is his nephew. Because I took care of him since he was four and a half. Peter is autistic and he is now about to be 17. And so this was, you know, a blessing. Um, because my children allowed me to become a mother. And, um, but it's just funny because we've always been the best of friends. We have worked well together for years. He is like the person I depend on for everything. And it was never, ever. He has three children from a previous marriage and, um, he was single for many, many years. My kids have, they've all grown up together. And uh, 2020, something changed. The light just, it just changed. And we, I think we both had gotten a little closer because he lost his mom. We lost his mom. And then my dad passed. And so we would talk a little more, but then he was around a lot more during COVID. (laughs) Yeah. He was, he was the house parent to the boys. So he lived up there with the boys and I lived in the back of the property. And so, you know, there was just, or around more and things just changed and it kind of freaked us out for the longest time we would avoid each other. And I'm like, Hey dude, we can't really do that. We're the president and the vice president. So we've got to figure this out. You know, we can't just avoid each other. Yeah. And it was something that God had, he had to, I had to work through it again. Took me eight months to realize I really did have feelings for him. Yeah. (laughs) Really God. And, um, he, for him, he just would never let himself go there. He had so much respect and admiration. 
And um, he just he just wouldn't let himself feel that way. And so when we finally talked about it, he we dated for two years. He wanted to be sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is. We got married last year, last May, and it's amazing. And we're very happy. We're the best of friends. And it's funny because for so many years, I prayed for my husband. Never, ever, ever thought he was right in front of me. Wow. And so my prayer was always that, God, you would send someone who loves my children, that you would send someone who loves this ministry that would fit in it like a glove, that there would be no difficulties with me being the president and the, you know, and nothing that we would just work together so well. Had no idea. Wow. It was him. And so, so, like, looking back to that day that you surrendered that desire of wanting to be married, going to the mission field single, and now seeing, do you just see God's hand in all of it? And you're like, man, yeah. Yeah. Peter. And Angie, you know, um, I know that as a missionary, like with this show, um, I talk a lot about streams of income and supporting, like, supporting the mission by using your God-given gifts, talents, and abilities. And, you know, I know that when we met, you came into my social media course and you had done a lot of your work was fundraising, fundraising for the mission, which you have, how many boys do you have to feed? How many mouths? Or 15. 15. Yes. While living in Mozambique and doing everything. Like I've been in the mission field. It's no joke. It's not for the faint of heart. And so can you kind of tell me like what you've gone through, what you've experienced in that way, like fundraising and like life there, and then kind of like some of the transformation that you've had, some of the mindset changes since coming through um, kind of a little bit more in the entrepreneurial space. Um, Fundraising is hard. Um, Number one, I think that sometimes Every one of us, and you can probably relate to this, we've grown up in that world where we get a job and we provide for ourselves. Um, I struggled with fundraising uh, because I felt like I'm asking people for their hard-earned money. Um, That's difficult. Um, I had to really learn that it's not about that. It's about partnership. It's about them coming alongside of you. It's about... Um, asking for these young men and these families. See, we're not just helping these young men, we're helping their families. A lot of them are single mothers and they just can't afford to help them get an education. So it's not about me or what I'm doing, but this is an honest remark. I'm not trying to, you know, be controversial or anything, but a lot of people love giving debates given to kids, little ones, teenagers, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. So for me, and I need raise support as well. So it's hard to explain the details because unless you're here, you're not really going to understand what I need to do is clothe them, feed them, help them have an education. And there's so many people that are walking this road with me that are my partners And that's what I want. So it's not about money. It's really about partnership and them joining in 
with what God wants to do in Mozambique and use these teenagers. So it's coming with me. We're bridging a gap. Um, and unfortunately, we have to talk about money to do that because this is what we need <clears throat> to get it done. And for me to do that, I need to be here in Mozambique. So to me, that's what the fundraising is for. It's not just for me to sit and, you know, drink coffee. Um, yeah. There's a purpose and a reason behind it. And that's the hard part for missionaries because we all need money, you yeah. know, to do the job, to get it done, to live. And when God calls you, my mom said it really well. If you're called, you can't. If you're not called, you can't stay. But if you're called, you can't leave. I know I can't leave here. I'm called by God, but I need the, the ability to do that. Now, here's the other side of that. Let's talk about my side of that. I can ask all day long for the boys. Mm. You know, I don't have a problem with that. They, I need to clothe them and feed them. But when it's personal, it's on my end. That's where I struggle. It's like, God, some, I've said this to God. I wish he just had a job. If I had a job to go along with this job, and I could support myself, then I could give so much more to the ministry. I I, I want to help people. I want to help our community. I want our boys to not just know how to receive, but learn how to give back. How do you do that if you don't go out into the community and do outreach? Yeah. You know, but you've got to be able to take care of here before you can do anything else. So yeah. I, I hope I'm making sense in, in talking this way, but um, 16 years ago, and this is so funny to me because I didn't remember this before our class, but my son was a baby and I remember wanting to develop something that was a place where missionaries could go and find out resources and information and and they didn't have to pioneer and do everything all by themselves like I did because I knew nothing. I had nowhere to go. I had to figure it all out. And I tried to do something. I even built a website and did all this stuff. And it just, I didn't know how to do it. Didn't know what I was doing. My kids were little. So I just let it go. And throughout the years, I've struggled with, the fundraising, I want people to be blessed, so I want them to give. I want them to blessing I get. I do not enjoy talking about money and all the needs, but you've got people who want to know and people who, you know, it doesn't matter one way or other. They just want to be a part. And I never want to cause someone not to be blessed. Hmm. But I would love, and I didn't know it was possible, I, I didn't know that that I could become an entrepreneur. I didn't know that it was a possibility. Um, I think we get into this mindset that missionaries are supposed to go to the field and <coughs> do without. So sorry. And um, I just, that was the thing is you're supposed to go home and you're supposed to speak at churches and you're supposed to raise support and you're supposed to live on what comes in and, and that's your job. And I'm not I'm not downing that at all. I've done it. I will still do it so that Beacon of Hope can flourish. But we've I've struggled. I there have been times where there has been nothing. 
there have been times where I've given everything that was for me. I've given it to the ministry because God called me to come here to do this for these teenagers. That's what's the job. It doesn't matter if it's filthy. You know, I'm rich. I don't care about the rich part. I, I've heard you speak so many times. I don't really care about the money. I just want to go do the job. Yeah. You know, and, and that's how, that's the truth is we're here to do this because God asked us and called us. So that's not the point, but I sit here sometimes and I live in a country that we fight sometimes that spirit of poverty. Um, You know, you don't understand it until you've probably been in it. And, you know, I don't know, some people might think I'm crazy and I really am probably a little crazy. I'll accept that. Um, yeah. Because I love the Lord so much, but you learn a lot about the spiritual and I don't know how they make it in Mozambique. They live off of 95 to $100 a month. Wow. Most people. And, you know, I, I don't know how they do that and, and feed their families and clothe them and send them to school. And I mean, and yet in some ways, they are. Some of them are really happy because they have Jesus. <laughs> mm. But then you've got others who aren't because they're just under this. It's not going to get better. It's you know mm. this thing, and so you fight with the financial end of things, and you pray, and you're like, well, "What do I need to do?" And um, I don't know. I got discouraged. I, I got discouraged because it's not like it used to be. Um, I've been here 23 years and, you know, you don't go speak at churches anymore. You communicate one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and I love people. I can talk all day long. I love talking about what I do, but I don't want to expect people to give unless they want to partner with me and God to do this ministry. So God, is there another way that I can do something? Well, I didn't know that was possible until your class, the social media membership, mentorship. Sorry, I did that wrong. And um, you started talking about things and the opportunity or the possibility of being an entrepreneur, of doing both. Yeah. Like, I can do both. I, I can do this job that I love but I can possibly help somebody else and be an inspiration or else and possibly make money at the same time. Really? That's a possibility. And that resonated with me because so many times I'm just like, if I just had a job, you know, I would feel more useful or, that's my own problems that I don't want to diminish the whole thing on living by faith. Okay. I don't want to diminish that. I have done that. I have lived by faith. I have done all things, but I can't, I don't know how to explain it to be honest, other than every week after your class for, for, for about three weeks, I felt very confused. Okay. <laughs> so very confused, but you have, it's all that stirring up. It's all that realization, all that changing the mindset. And then I started kind of understanding, but then I would, you know, think I got it, what I wanted to do. And then it would 
do it happen again? I mean, so many things have come out of this class, you know, with all the other girls and <clears throat> other ladies that are in there. And I mean, so many things that we didn't know were possible. God has ignited a desire and it's, it's like books and music and art and all these things. And I'm sitting over here, okay, God, I feel it, but what is it? Mm. And it, it was about a, about three weeks, two, three weeks ago. God reminded me, remember that thing you tried to do 16 years ago? It's time now. Yeah. And it's like, you know, sometimes God gives us words, gives us things, and we put them on a shelf. And we know that in his time, he's going to do it. And it's so funny because I've been listening to Robert Morris and, and it was somebody else I was listening to. It, oh, it might have been you. Um we we learn we fruit how did you say it you always i love it when you talk about your time in on the mission field and um you said it's the valleys where we grow the most fruit fruit fruit, yeah. fruit. <laughs> and and um this pastor was saying the other day a lot of times there's these years and years and years before we actually do what god's called us to do because he's preparing us he's mm -hmm building that character he's building that giving growing that fruit and um so it's time it's time next i'm learning i'm not just taking your class i'm now learning how to do podcasting i'm going to start a podcast i don't have a clue what i'm doing um, oh, yeah, no. <laughs> i am working with another guy that we know that was on your show ryan rieger and we're talking about things and trying to build something that is a desire God gave me. And I'm telling you, Melissa, whatever you never, you, you, you make me laugh because you, you tell me, you know, you tell us all that your comment was, God, somebody's going to pay me to, to teach them how to do these things. Yeah. And I laugh because that's exactly how I feel. Right. You know, somebody's going to pay me to help them learn these things. And um, the answer is, this is your mission. This is what God has called you to do. And so therefore it's possible for all of us. Yeah. It's possible if you're, if you're not a missionary, it's possible if you are a missionary, it might bring in a lot. It might not. And it's okay. If it does, mm -hmm. it's okay. If I can support my family and the ministry, it doesn't yeah. mean you have to stop giving or you stop raising money because it takes a lot of money for teenage boys. They yes. eat. Yes. Yes. It's like, I love that. I think, um, first of all, we can do both, you know? And like, I think for some people that work a full-time job, you know, you're full-time missionary, but even people that work a full-time job, they're like, well, I have to, you know, how can I do that? And this, it's like, well, you could do both. And what's beautiful is when you start to operate and function in your God-given gifts, when you start to operate in the things that are so easy for you, are so natural for you, and then you get paid for it, you're like, I can do both because, because you would do it for free anyway, right? You do it for free anyway. And then to offer that to people, something that's so easy for you. I think, you know, when it's, when it's, cause you think someone would pay me for this. And what's easy for you is so hard for other people. And I think that we really do devalue who we are. And we focus so much on our lack, probably because it's a pain point, you know, like I don't walk around every day. I should. I don't walk around every day being like, I 
feel amazing. I feel great. I notice how I feel when I have a headache. You know what I mean? But it's kind of like that. We're all walking around in our wonderful, fearfully and wonderfully madeness and not recognizing it and not recognizing the value that God's put inside of each one of us and the solutions that are inside of us to bring breakthrough to people. And so we so often don't um, move on those things. But I love that you're finding that you can you can do missions and then entrepreneurship, which both are the mission, right? They're just, their expressions are different. No, if I can help someone have the courage or inspire or answer the questions that I didn't have anybody to do, you know, I, I, that's what I want to do because I love, I love being a missionary. It's not easy. It's not easy. And you know that. It's really hard sometimes. It's, you know, lonely. And I don't mean that I'm alone. I have my amazing husband and my kids. and But I miss my family. I've had to give up some things. I've had to, you know, leave life behind. I'm, I was telling my mom the other day, you know, my nephew and my niece, they don't really know me very well. Because most of their lives, I've been on the mission field. So we sacrifice. Um, but the sacrifice is worth it to know that, you're doing what God called you to do, but you're also able to help. <coughs> I'm so sorry. <coughs> you're able to help so many people. Here, to you, I thank you um, because this class didn't just open all this up. It gave me a confidence um, that I didn't know I lacked or needed. Um, but it, it truly changed me. And in a way where it was a safe place, it was, it doesn't matter what you know or don't know. And one of the things I absolutely love is you don't have to be perfect. You just yeah. be you. You know, God created us just like we are. He didn't, he doesn't see our flaws. He doesn't see what we think are bad or good. And he can use us no matter what. And if we can help one person, if I can help change the life of one teenage boy and they're going to become the next pastor, the next president of Mozambique, I mean, and who knows? We have no idea what they're going to do. I mean, I am a grandmother, not just because of my daughter. I have several of my boys who are now parents. And, you know, it, it's amazing to watch them grow and go through life and then become parents and teach the things they learned from here yeah from beacon of hope so can you imagine that's what i can do for here but your class helped me be and maybe i can help other people get involved in missions yeah. and encourage and i am extremely grateful for you and for everything you do i, I mean it you changed my life Oh, Angie. I mean, I feel so, so much the same. I appreciate so much your dedication to the work that God's doing there, especially coming from a background in missions. I know how hard it is and to see how you have persevered, how you've loved, how you, how you've shown up, how you've figured it out with the Lord is amazing to me. And um, I'm excited for this next phase that you're coming into. So how can people get connected? If people even want to become a partner, um, 
Let's put that in the show notes. And, you know, I'd love for people to go follow you on social media. Amen. Yes. We'll add um, all that in. Yeah, that's, that's great. It's our website, of course, is just beacon of hope dash Africa.org. There's got to be a dash in there dash Africa.org. But yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, I love it. And Angie, I believe, is going to continue being in the social media mentorship that is starting in January. I've told yes. her, you're in. You're in. So Thank you. you are listening. And that is something that you are like, man, I feel the call. It really, truly is. I know this is a part of business, but I want to break the stigma that business, you know, can't be, has to be so transactional. It can be so heart-centered. It can be so God-centered. It can be so faith-forward. And it can be a place, a resource, a stream to fund the things that are in your heart to do. And so that's part of the reason why I started the social media mentorship so that people can learn confidence, learn how to put themselves out there, learn content, because you really have to build an audience and build trust with people before anything is transactional. And that creating content is a great way to do that. So it's an amazing place to create content that sucks, <laughs> right? <laughs> and for you to just try again, because we all take ourselves too seriously and we're meant to just take action and play and have fun with God, right? Share what's in our heart, do the thing, talk about it, be a light. Like that's what it's about. And so if you're feeling like the call that Angie did to go to Africa where your heart's beating, you're like, but this, 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 and this, talk to the Lord about it and then reach out to me. I'd love to talk to you and um, connect with Angie. She's one of the most beautiful people that I know and be on the lookout for another episode next week.